0: I had uh, some things I wanted to talk to you about at the top but when I hear this music I gotta know why did you
1: pick this music because we heard like a hundred things that we didn't like 99 of them and it was one thing we agreed on was, was okay we sort of liked it but it grew on us it's absolutely grown on me now
0: yeah don't say grown on us I don't, on, you don't, I don't like it? love it no
1: don't we, let's change it let's put, get to something you like but what now it's like? our brand it's our identity is that what you got this it's our identity yeah boy that's a stretch <laughs> that's all right. Okay, but I, if, you, listen, if you don't like it, we'll change it. What kind of music would you like?
0: I don't know. We'll get on the library and we'll start. Okay, like something from some
1: the 60s, like uh, Petula <laughs> Clark singing Downtown. Would you like that?
0: No, maybe some hip hop. Maybe we could ask our guest today, Peter Rosenberg.
1: you think he knows anything about hip hop? He, he knows a lot about it. I think he knows a lot about it. He knows a lot about a lot. Uh, it's a stretch, but he's a good guest. <laughs> he is I'm a excited. Good
0: guest. I'm looking forward to that. He is I am a good too, guest. as well. Uh, he's a lot of fun, and he's everywhere. He surely is. He I don't fills know. fills up he
1: 24 hours very easily. <laughs> he does.
0: What's going on? He does. Me. He's a big star. I think you and I are big stars now. Do you see those Cashman numbers? We did last well, week. Well, if
1: you're using the podcast as your point oh, yeah. of reference, I would say that, that that was a very impressive. We had an impressive week.
0: Yeah. And what's happening is we have to thank the listeners because they're telling their friends, clearly, because those numbers were through the roof.
1: Well, that's great. I mean but that's everything is word of mouth. So we appreciate again we always talk about rate review subscribe. Please do that for us and and uh word of mouth is helping us a lot, so thank you.
0: We do always talk about rate review subscribe. Something we don't always do is introduce ourselves. That's kinda of like podcast one oh one. We should you probably know what it is? We take it for granted, don't we? we take it yeah. for granted.
1: so how about you I'll introduce you and then you introduce me. That is scary. Ready? <laughs> yeah. And here's Kevin Silva. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's had a very impressive career. Kevin has had uh, six or seven years here now at uh, YES, and he's been our head of digital media, he's a vice president of digital media. He had the same title at the WWE, where he led their digital media for 10 years. And before that, I really don't know where he was, except that I'm sure he was someplace that got him to the WWE, which got him to YES. But he's been very impressive at his two stops and he spent time and he's helped build those two organizations to the digital forces that they became. So we thank you, Kevin. I thank you. And the WWE, you can thank them on your own.
0: Amazing introduction. I thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, one quick cor- correction, if I could. Yeah, sure. If you don't mind. No. You cut my career here in half. You- <laughs> How many years I've are? been here 13 years. You had me at six. All right, let's start. <laughs> okay. I did it one more time. No, uh, that was great. We could keep
1: it. You, you want to do that?
0: Let's keep it. we keep this, too? This, this yeah, th- we'll keep us talking like this. You like Remember it? that Inception thing we did the other day? No. Okay. so I'll Oh, that was like Leonardo in the North Atlantic. Yeah, that thing, in the North Atlantic. That thing in the North Atlantic. We're yeah. losing listeners. <laughs> we really are. This
1: is, we're really off the rails here. So I
0: don't know how to introduce Mr. John J. Filippelli, then other than saying he's Mr. John J. Filippelli. You hear his name at the end of every broadcast. Um, been in the business for more than four decades?
1: 47 years.
0: Wow, almost five decades. You've seen it all. I've seen a lot. Um, done a lot. Seen a lot. Done a lot. Seen a, lot. a lot.
1: Been a lot. Been a lot. Is this such a thing as been a lot? Probably. Well, I've been a lot, too. I've been a lot of, I guess I've been a lot of places, and, and I've been with a lot of people. You're
0: a podcaster.
1: Now I'm a podcaster, and yeah. I'm enjoying it very much.
0: Yeah, so you want to talk some Yankees?
1: Sure, let's talk Yankees.
0: So, spring training, Yankees, I believe, at this point, are 8-3 and three after 11 games, uh, first in the Grapefruit uh, as League. As we record this. As we record yes. this, yes. Right. Um, but what does 8-3 and three mean, and what do records mean in the Grapefruit League?
1: Well, uh, you can go with one of two th- schools of thought. You could say nothing, or you could say absolutely nothing. It depends on where you want to go. (laughs) I don't think they mean anything. I mean, what really means something is watching people perform, watching players get ready for the season, watching, you know, uh, especially the pitching, because the pitching takes a while to come around. I mean, the, the position players... I don't know 30 at bats, 35 at bats might be uh, against some live pitching, it might be enough 40 at bats and then they're, they're kind of ready to you know they, these guys sort of work out year round, most of them including the pitchers, but you know the problem is with pitching you don't throw. And, you know, it's competition, little live major league competition. So that's why you have to go and you have to stretch out your arm and there's you know, there's there's a regiment that's required for you to get ready for the season. So it takes longer for the pitchers, but you do get some indication. It, 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 see again in the beginning, like you see pitchers throw mostly fastballs, right? It's a couple of change ups. First, you know, a couple of times out. They're not working on curveballs or sliders, off speed pitches. They're not. For a regular game, I mean they're not gonna sit there and just throw fastballs and like and have the Houston Astros hit them out on them. They're not gonna do things like that.
0: No. So no. like today, for example, today being Thursday when we record this. Uh Cole's working on his fastball. Right. He touched up a little bit, but he's just right. working on his fastball.
1: Right. Because he probably feels it needs a little bit of work. He's talking, maybe it's location. Maybe yeah. he's trying to locate it. Uh, I saw in the couple of home runs he gave his location was off. It seemed like his location was off a little bit. So and that's why you have spring training. Yeah. You can't look too you can't get too excited when someone really comes through and does has a great spring training. Although it can open eyes. If you're a young player like a Debbie Garcia and has a great spring, that that will put him out, you know, on the fast, you know, the fast track to the to the Bronx. Especially when there's a spot there. When there's a spot there, right? Because they're they're not going to look to do it now. They won't. Even no matter what status they're pitching is, they just won't do it now. They've got to get him. They've got to give him as much experience as they can. He's a young kid. He's only twenty. What is he? Twenty years old? Twenty one? So, he's a kid. He's a kid. Yeah, he's Someone to,
0: yeah. who is not a kid though is performing well this spring. I really like what I'm seeing out of Jay Happ, who's incredible, incredibly important.
1: He's incredibly important and it goes back to the smarts of Cashman because looking at this way, I mean, when the Yankees at one point had all the pitching, the starting pitching that they had they had Cole and they had Paxton and they had Tanaka, you know, and, and uh so I mean they were pretty they were pretty uh, Severino too. I mean, so you look at that and you go, well, what a four you got there. Did the Montgomery coming back? And there wasn't much of a uh, spot for, for Happ at all. So, but everybody said, a trader, what are you going to do? You know, Brian sat with him and said, you know what? We're just going to sit on this for a while. We'll see what happens, see how spring is. And he was right because, you know, what happens is, you know, the Paxton develops his problems, and Severino now is out for a year and change with Tommy John, so he's gone for a while. And so all of a sudden what was really deep and impressive is not so deep and not so impressive. Okay, although you know you know Cole is going to be great, and you know Tanaka's a pro, and you know and, and plays hard and is going to give you what he's got, which is a lot, and you know, he, he's always keep you in the game, you know. But it, and then you get a lot of question marks. So, but Hap because he's coming off of not a great year, um, you know he's actually a question mark. But the fact that he's here speaks volumes about the faith that Bryant Cashman had in him and said, okay, where are you going to get a picture Where are you going to get pitcher of that ilk? You're yeah. not. So let's hope that he's, he's on the right track and he could pitch the way he's pitched, you know, not last year, but the years
0: before. Wednesday night, four innings pitched for half, two hits, one walk, no runs, six Ks. And that was against the Yankees South. I mean, the Phillies. Yeah, oh, the Phillies, yeah. yeah. Well, right, the Yankees South? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, if you tell me he struck Brian Harper out, uh, Bri- Brian Harper, probably right, Bryce Harper yeah. out, if you tell me he struck, struck Bryce Harper out in there, so uh, you know, I'm impressed if you tell me it depends. Look, I, I, again, I don't get too excited about that. What I look for is are those break the pitches he's throwing. Does his fastball have movement? His velocity has movement. If he's throwing a breaking pitch, because they're gonna mix in breaking pitches now, right? He's, is, is, is it does? Is there Christmas to the, you know, to, to the breaks? Is it? Is he locating his pitches? I mean, that's what you really look for. And again, I didn't see a lot of it. I saw a little of it. Where I saw of it, he was locating. And he had he had bite on his pitches and that's what you want. So that's good. I mean that's a really good sign. So I think the Yankees are impressed with that. And the Yankees need I mean, where are you gonna find starting pitching? It's really hard to get. I mean the teams that win championships have starting pitching. It's hard to get. It's it's even it's hard to develop too, but it's really hard to acquire. It's harder to acquire.
0: Did you not like my Yankee South joke? Did I didn't get, didn't get it initially, but then I got you it. You got it because of yeah. the Phillies? Yeah,
1: yeah. and I'm sorry I called Bryce Harper Brian Harper. But this is not, I'm sure he's not going to lose you... a wink
0: of sleep. No, anybody
1: remember Brian Harper? Anybody remember ball playing Brian Harper? No, I do. I think he was a player from the early 60s. Okay. I want to say he was with the I – mean, I've got this probably confused. I want to say he was with the Mariners. I can look that up. Yeah, but Mariners came in the late 60s, so early 70s. Well, I, well, I looked that up. It was see, good there's to a see Brian it. Harper, yeah.
0: Girardi again. Oh, yeah. Phillies uniform. Oh, Ronald Torres came over. Yeah. Girardi looks good in that Phillies uniform. Hence, hence
1: the reference to the Yankee South. Yeah. Now you're getting it. See, but it took. How many minutes did that take?
0: You should never have to explain your jokes, right? Well. That's my bad.
2: You know, uh,
1: let's just say I'm, I wonder if the audience got it. Did they get it right away? Yeah, they got it. They did? Yeah. Well, then I'm. See, that's all on me then. I apologize to the audience.
0: Brian Harper played in uh, Seattle? 1979. California Angels. California Angels. He played from '79 to 1995. Never in Seattle.
1: Okay, so but he was an outfielder. and right? He was.
0: Yep, he was a catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a left fielder. Mm-hmm. So you're right there.
1: Right, I remember him playing the outfield. I don't yeah. remember the catching part. Yep. When was that? 1979.
0: His rookie year. Yeah. Seven. One game. So in '81. Wow. He he didn't play. 60 games in 1988. He got up to. Anyway, no one cares. No, they don't, but
1: it's an interesting piece of, of, of trivia, at least for me it is. Yeah. Okay, that's good. All right, so moving so on how from... about we
0: get to our guest? I'm excited. Peter Rosenberg. I am too. He's a, he's a star, as we mentioned at the top. Follow him on Twitter, at Rosenberg Radio.
1: You know what? From Hot 97 to the Michael K. Show, which is the number one uh, sports show in New York. It's actually the number one show in New York, radio show. And uh, his uh, time with the WWE. I mean, he's said, just quite a nice career, and he's still really young. He's got a lot of great years ahead of him. So interesting guy, a lot of fun. I mean, I've certainly had my little jousts with him through the years, and I think uh, that'll come up, I'm sure, somewhere in this podcast, our little jousts. But uh, I have a lot of respect for him, and I think he's helped make uh, the case show uh, number one.
0: Completely agree. Right after this break, Peter Rosenberg.
3: You know FOMO, fear of missing out. Missing out on the debut of the Yankees' new ace. Garrett Cole is officially walking into pinstripes. On tape measure home runs. A monster home run for Sanchez. And on the bomber's chase for 28.
2: He's coming home. He's safe.
3: It's a season you can't miss.
2: A walk-off
3: home run. They've done it again. Let nothing come between you and your Yankees on yes.
1: Welcome back to Curtain Call. John Filippelli, Kevin Sullivan. Our special guest this week is Peter Rosenberg. Peter is uh, one of the hottest people in the business. He, speaking of hot, he's uh, he's uh, the uh, host of uh, Hot ninety seven in the morning. He is the co host of the number one radio show in New York, which is the Michael K Show. And uh, he's also a big WWE aficionado. So there's a lot to talk about here with Peter. And uh, hello, Peter. How are you? Thank you for taking the time to join us.
3: Oh, I'm 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 happy to do so. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So we, uh, we were talking to Michael, Michael Kay, uh, prior to this, and no pressure, we told him that you were going to be on, and he said, oh, he won't do a quarter of what I did, because he was on the show in the past, no pressure.
3: Oh, I'm going to crush K's download, actually, no, I don't know if I'll do that, K, K in the Yankee-related space, he's, a, he's an animal, he's tough to deal with.
1: Uh, all right, so you're, you're the host of Hap 97, the hit right there, the Michael K Show, that, in the afternoon, number one radio show in New York. You're a WWD aficionado, as I mentioned before. How do you get all this in a day? I mean, how do you how do you fit all this in? It's it's remarkable.
3: Well, you know, really schedule-wise, it's not that bad uh, a lifestyle. Um, I was actually just talking about this because it's the same every day, and it's all on the west side of Manhattan. You know, my I live on the Upper West Side. Hot is in the West Village. ESPN's on the Upper West Side. So while I work a lot of hours, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a built-in, that sort of schedule, and it's comfortable for me. And this is what I do. I mean, frankly, you know, Michael's schedule, for example, with all the Yankee travel, to me, is what makes his life so much harder. I think when you remove the constant travel, you know, it's one thing to travel here and there once or twice a month. But to be traveling every single week, I think that's where these jobs get really tough. And you know, that's where for me, I don't know that I would ever want to do you know daily play by play because I just can't imagine the constant travel. But to me, as busy as my schedule is, it's I don't know, it's somewhat peaceful.
1: How did you get? How did you get from hip hop? How did you get to the Michael K show? Uh,
3: basically, um, my agents at ICM. Um, brought the idea to ESPN and um, uh, the guy who is uh, a guy who's very important in the talent department at ESPN was familiar with me and thought it sounded interesting and he brought the idea to uh, management at ESPN and uh, Tim McCarthy the GM got on board and Justin Craig who was the program director at the time was on board and they said Let's try plugging this guy in. I guess they were looking to freshen up the K show, and um, they sort of hoisted me on uh, Michael and Don.
0: So on the surface, it sounds like square peg, round hole. Did you guys mesh right away, or was it kind of difficult in the beginning?
3: There were some. There were there were a few bumps, you know, but I, I can't really say it was there was very much. I mean, we really connected pretty quickly, uh, and that's and that's a credit to Michael and Don. You know, they did not want a new person on the show, and yet they saw what I brought and almost immediately just took to it. It's kind of crazy, honestly, in retrospect. Like, knowing them as well as I do, they're both wonderful, wonderful people, but they're also stubborn. And the idea that they were forced to accept me and they were that open to it and really said, okay, this is working – it's a real credit to them. That That is not common.
0: So, I mean, we obviously know Michael well here at Yes. I don't know Don all that well. What's he like in person? And I'll tell you why I ask. I've been pitching this reality show forever. Just follow Don with a camera. That's all you have to do. And he will blow up at least two to three times a week at somebody over something.
3: I, I Well, first of all, I am all in favor of Don having a camera following him. <laughs> but that said, if you're looking for the blow-up, I think you'll be disappointed. No. Um, yeah, the blow-ups are, the, the blow are on the air. Now, they're real, and he will fight in a real argument, like, before the show, where we're specifically arguing. But Don is a very low-key person. Like, he's not arguing with strangers on the street. He's He is a very mild-mannered, almost quiet sort of person. I mean, Michael and I always make fun of him for being socially awkward. He's not a huge talker um, every minute unless he's comfortable. And um, his arguments and his rants are all authentic, but on a day-to-day basis, Don McGregor is a very chill dude.
0: See, I had him walking into the cleaners and yelling at him for not putting enough starch or
3: something like that. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, scratch that show idea, Flip. Uh, he
3: may never. He may never even go to the cleaners.
0: <laughs> wow. No comment. Wow,
1: that's good. That's we should clip you. that off and send it to them. send it to him.
3: Well, yeah. I didn't mean. I didn't mean he's unclean. I just mean he's home <laughs> watching hockey. He's playing know,
1: with his kids. I'm sorry, we can't take it back. Once you say it, I mean, you're just kind of committed to it. All right. You know, it's a little tough to for us to. We have to edit. It takes time. We don't have the time here. You know. Yes, you know, you a busy network. You understand? <laughs> understand how this
0: works? So, so Peter, uh, I want to go back to WWE. Flip was talking about WWE a little bit. I don't know if you know this, but flip work there in the early 90s. I did 10 years from 98 to 2008. How did you first get approached? Because it's not every day WWE gets approached for outside talent.
3: So, uh, I, I had, in around 2005, I interviewed um, Taz and Michael Cole, who at that time were the voices of SmackDown. And I was doing talk radio in DC, uh, a station, uh, WJFK. And I had not been interested in wrestling at that point in many years. Um, I had been out of it. I'd been checked out for a long time. And then around that time, you know, talking to them made me like get a little interested and I turned on the TV and I saw John Cena for the first time and I, I saw his sort of hip hop personality, and at the time, I was sort of like trying to find a, a hobby, and so I just was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try watching this every week again." And I'm talking about I had been out for a long time, long time, and um, I just fell in love with it. And then when I got to New York and started doing radio, I just started hustling for interviews. Like, let me. I asked him to interview any wrestler I could. And then before, you know, before you know it, I'm traveling to WrestleMania. I'm doing Radio Row. I'm going to the press conferences. You know, I, I literally asked Vince McMahon for a job on camera. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I was on it. I really wanted to be a part of it. And then around 2016, something like that, they, um, they came along and I met the right person. Um, Chris Chambers at WW Network. Oh, Chris is my
0: favorite person they, in the
3: world. Um, Chris, Chris is my favorite. Me too. Love I mean, him. he is. Um, he's he's a, he's an important guy to me, and he was my rabbi. And um, a lot of cool stuff happened after that. So I I I I, I really, all the thanks to me originally in that first run. It really goes to Chris Chambers.
1: There, I've said this many times on this podcast. I don't think there's a better marketer. In the world and Vince McMahon I've learned when I was the two years I spent there uh, the, I would tell you that what I the, the takeaway for me was was marketing how he was able to market package and sell a product the way he did it and and with the people that he did it with to me was truly remarkable and it was my one great takeaway from that experience One it was a positive takeaway extremely um, but that was it and I must tell you I, I've, I've never met anybody who could had that skill that he had to do that. It's, it's so evident every time you put on a WWE event, it's so evident his ability to market and sell and how he tastes he, the spectacle that he believes in and how he's able to go that extra step or two or three or five that other people just won't do. They won't spend the money. They don't want. To, they won't commit. They say, well, this is good enough. That good enough is not good enough for Vince. He, he believes in excellence. And I, I tip my hat to him every time.
0: I always liken it to, I mean, let's look at the product. It's professional wrestling, right? It should have... Absolutely, gone the way of roller derby and the circus and all those other things. But Vince in his marketing mind, made it what it is today. Well,
1: not only did he advance it, I mean he's able to to, to you know uh, to keep it uh, in the forefront when those other entities have gone by the wayside. So, I mean that's actually a tribute to him as well. And I mean they've had their downtimes for sure, but uh, he's able to sort of keep it mainstream when you know he goes against the grain and it works.
3: So. I'll say, you know, Vince is an, obviously he's an iconic genius um, you know, of marketing, of, of business. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty in awe of him and the way that he works. He also has the craziest work ethic of anyone on planet Earth. Um, but I will also say the one thing, Kevin, I disagree about is that, you know, I'll give professional wrestling itself its due in that, you know, things like roller derby was a phase. Um, The circus was a live event thing, strictly. Um, Professional wrestling has really been great for television, basically since television became a thing. You know, when you think about it, it's been a relevant thing back to the 50s. And my, you know, I've heard this from a lot of people, my immigrant grandfather you know, who came to this, this country and didn't speak great English, the TV he gravitated towards was was professional wrestling. You know, my mom, I don't really have, like, wrestling as a big thing in my family, but my mom would always tell me that Grandpa loved Bruno San Martino. Um, so oh, the yeah. one thing that makes it different is that in a weird way, even though it is a uh, a scripted sport, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a lot closer, in my opinion, to the role that sports play in our country than sort of the other fringe things that you mentioned. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a great point, especially if you go back and you look at the early days, like you mentioned, Peter, like the Dumont Network and how important wrestling was. And it was because all they had to do was point a camera at the ring, and, and then you have cheap entertainment. And
1: Gorgeous George saw more television sets than anybody. He was the first real television star, was Gorgeous George. He and Uncle Miltie. we was Milton hey, hey.
3: Yeah. Exactly, and and you're talking about such a basic concept at its core that someone like my grandfather, who didn't understand the nuance necessarily of the language when he first moved here, you're you're just seeing good guys and bad guys, and it's it's an easy thing to root for, and at its best, yeah, it should it should be pretty clear and straightforward to this day, in my opinion.
1: Would you categorize me as a baby face or a heel? <laughs> what
3: would I be? Oh wow, that's a that is a tough question. Um, <laughs> a I think I think you work heel. I think you work heel a little bit. Yeah. Um, not to me though. Yeah. But then again, a lot of people think I work heel. So we may just fit better than I than I would uh, admit. Maybe but,
1: maybe we'd we'll be a tag um, team. Maybe we're a tag team.
3: Exactly, and I'll tell you what, it's hard to be a boss. And be a baby fit.
1: That's true. It makes a good point. That's yes. a good point.
0: So speaking of heels, do you know? Do you have any good Bruce Pritchard stories? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. You don't Now have wait.
3: To. Now, what's the beef? There's beef between Pritchard and um, and Flip, right? There's yeah, heat. not me. Not
1: as heat. Uh, we have some heat in between us, but I'm not going be...
3: to. why is there heat? What's the origin of the heat? Uh,
1: just because I know him. <laughs> He met him. No, I I worked with him when I worked at the W. We we didn't get along well. I mean, he's a talented guy. I will give him this. I think uh, I think his his uh, perseverance through the years, and I think what he's done with his uh, with his podcast is truly amazing. And he's got a lot of talent. He absolutely was, and he admitted that he was kind of a jerk back in the day. That didn't treat people well. Didn't get along with people. I saw that Bruce Pritchard now. Maybe there's a new Bruce Prichard that's, you know, uh, through the years has sort of morphed into uh, the one he is, uh, the representation that you see now. Maybe that's true. But when I worked with him, he just wasn't a good guy. But that happens in life. You know, he didn't like me very much. I didn't like him very much. So, therefore, you know, something had to give. And I uh, was one of the people responsible for his first dismissal from the WWE. And he's had a few of them. But but the truth of the matter is, but he's a very talented guy. And I can understand why he's back there. And I can understand why he's trying to... uh, you know, uh, helm that ship.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I've had nothing but lovely experiences with Bruce, but um, I admittedly know this Bruce, and Bruce also is a great marketer. And him and I became cool around the time his podcast was blowing up, and um, you know, I'll, I would throw him on my show, pop by his live shows. Um, and, and he was always down to come on and promote, obviously. And I was always down to have him because he's a legend. But uh, in my experience, he has been great. But I would love to see you guys take this feud a step further.
1: What, go in the ring? Is that what you asking me to do? Uh, you want to go in the ring with him? It's a thought. It's a thought. <laughs> Pay-per-view, baby. He do not do anything for nothing. What you need to do is have him on
0: the podcast.
1: Whose podcast? This one? Uh, on this one, yeah. Well, that's You're a, not. Th- boy, that's a tough ask. Uh, I'd have to have an intermediary do it. I, I, Conrad. I'll ask. All right, so you're going to ask Pritchard. You have to also tell him Kevin Sullivan does this, so we have to
0: divide the heat here. So it's not all on me. (laughs) I Uh, happen to like Bruce, for the record. uh, For the
1: record. (laughs) Now,
3: now, now, Kevin, (laughs) did you get a lot of questions because you share a name with a famous professional wrestler? So I think I
0: made my whole career based on the fact that my name was Kevin Sullivan. So for the listeners who don't know, there was a wrestler – in the 80s and 90s named the taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. So, Peter, I would go into client meetings. I mean, every single meeting I would go into, everyone would be let down. Oh, we thought the taskmaster was coming. (laughs) I'm like, no, it's me. Sorry. (laughs) But if I placed a call to somebody, say I had to do an interview with a Scott Hall or somebody like that, I would immediately get a call back because I said on their machine, hey, Kevin Sullivan, call me back.
3: That's so good. And <laughs> right. what was your what was your actual job at WWE?
0: Uh, I ran content for digital, which at the time was just WWE.com. This is before social media. From 98 to 08? Correct, yeah. Well, I, I wow, just, very cool. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I tell people, like, the highs are unlike any other high. Uh, the lows are unlike any other low, though. Uh, if you can manage those ebbs and flows, you're going to have the time of your life there. You know, I
1: think really what it comes down to working there, in my opinion, is if you have a wrestling background. And there were a lot of people there who obviously did have a wrestling background. Kevin Dunn is one had a wrestling background because of his father, grew up with it. Pritchard, you know, grew up with the because of his brother, grew up in the in the round the business, loved the business. When you grow up with that in your bloodstream, it's a different it's a different situation than it is coming in as an outsider. And working in that environment because you know you're not in that business you come in with a different sensitivity and uh you know a different set of skill sets that uh that the, and and they, and the two never really meshed and i don't know that they mesh now because one is the business aspect people who are trying to advance a business and the other is you know people who are you know in the wrestling business and understand the wrestling business and they don't necessarily mix the business aspect of it and then the wrestling side of it don't always mix so I think that was part of the problem for, for their, I think, for a long time. But, I mean, they've, listen, they've obviously survived and, and, and done really well because look, look at where they are. And that means they have a lot of talented people. And, and Vince is head, the head person there, so he gets the credit. But, you know, you've got to give the Duns and the Pritchards their credit, too, because they've worked hard and they've helped advance the business. So you tip your hat to them.
0: What was that? Atomize? Was the word? Atomize. Used? I used yeah, that he, word last he, week. I said,
1: you know, you got to atomize this. You want to shorten that? <laughs> I had to <a> shorten that <laughs> long speech there. That's like Churchill. will fight about the beaches. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got a little carried away there. I didn't mean to uh, go that long on it. But, uh, but you know, this is good because it's this a good is mo- point. It's morphed into conversation. See, we don't want to be stilted, scripted. You know, you, you, you don't get this kind of entertainment anywhere else. You don't want that. No, you don't. You, we don't want to do that. <laughs> we just want to be ourselves, and we want to be organic, and we are more organic than than than. Those chips that my wife buys in the in Hofu's. So, Peter,
0: <laughs> I was watching uh, the Michael K show yesterday. I, we're turning this street into a wrestling podcast. Is that all right? <laughs> I was watching the Michael K show yesterday. I had it on mute and I see Barry Horowitz on the screen. What was that about?
3: Oh, that was just um, we Michael was questioning why every wrestler is called a WWE superstar.
0: Good question. By the so way,
3: then, so then, so then he was saying that. What about like the bumps? And I brought up Barry Horowitz as like a career jobber. And <laughs> so once I brought up Barry Horowitz, Michael thought his, the name Barry Horowitz made him laugh. And then before you know it, we're talking a lot about Barry
1: Horowitz. Uh, you know, that's hilarious. That, that's last. Well, you know what that is? That's marketing again. The superstars, everybody who was really good was a superstar because you want to market. That means elite. Superstar means best, elite. And Those guys were elite. The other guys, they didn't call them jobbers, but that's what they would be known in the wrestling vernacular were guys who went in to sort of do a job to put the other wrestler over to make the other wrestler larger than they were, right? That's a jobber, right? I assume. Like, if I have that right. I think I have that right. I have that right? You got it, right? You, yep. got, you, you know, you, Peter, you need to contribute more. This is becoming more Kevin and I having a conversation. You got to jump I'm in enjoying. Here.
3: I'm enjoying listening to the two of you. I, mean, I know why this is such a beloved podcast.
1: Uh, by the two of us. And that's kind of it. It's kind a of what it is. <laughs> 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 all right, so let me throw some names at you. I want some baby face or heel. I'm going to throw some names at you, all right? All right. All right. Uh, I'll make it easy. I'll start easy. Francesa. Baby face heel. Oh.
3: oh, my God. I mean, this isn't just personal. That guy is the world's biggest heel. <laughs> I mean, he's no or he's mean to his listeners, so he's he's openly a heel. And then every story I've ever heard about him personally, save for uh, no, nah, maybe a couple, I've heard it. I've heard he's done a couple of nice things for people, but by and large, everyone I know who interacts with him regularly, he sounds like a heel. I mean, flip, yes. flip. You worked with Mike Francesa. Yes. You tell me, heel or baby fin?
1: Well, it's a tough question. I really wouldn't know how to answer this. I mean, you want an honest answer, or yeah. or, 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 or that's what I prefer. Okay, I could give you the, the scripted answer or the honest answer. I'll, you know, what? I'll give you the scripted answer. He's a heel. I'll give you the the, the other answer. He's a heel. So anyway, but he's so a, you're
3: saying the real answer is more complicated. <laughs> no,
1: he's just a heel. I mean, he's, he's a heel. He he. Lo- By the way, he enjoys it. I mean, so it, it's you know it, he, he enjoys playing that role. He, you know, he feels like he's born into that role because he's, you know, it's that thing about I'm smarter than everybody else and everything else that goes with that. But, but he's, you know, he, he's, he's a heel. I mean, he, he relishes it. He enjoys it. He, he likes to you know, inflict his, what he believes his superiority is on his listeners and you know, callers, and, and that's wrong. It just is, and there's a lot of things that could be better about Mike, but, uh, you know, but he's a big star, and he made a lot of money, well, and, also, and he changed the and business. Also- he and Russo changed the business.
3: Well, yeah, and 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 Russo was the babyface.
0: Yes, Oh, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's a great program. That's a WrestleMania program right there. Oh,
1: absolutely. They, that's right. They were. That's that's why that worked. One was the babyface. One was the heel. Being a heel, by the way, is not necessarily. You need a good heel to make a babyface. The way Russo gets over, his friend says, is a heel. That's how he puts Russo over. That's how Russo got to be. As Although big as he did. I
3: will give you, I will give you a scorching hot day. Okay. Mike Francesa never gets paired with Chris Russo. He's just a guy who does radio and some sports television. That's it.
1: And the question is, he would, would he be as big as he turned out to be? No.
3: Yeah, that's a fair take. No, no,
1: that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay,
3: He's, He would be a guy.
0: Because you tuned in because of the theatrics of Mad Dog. And then the back and forth, the chemistry kind of worked. Yeah, I get it. And he would also, Francisco would also steer a ship.
1: He'd he'd get the ship back on course. You know, there's a lot of talent that you have have to steer those ships.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris, I'm sure, was a complicated guy to stay on track. When you think about what Mike's solo career looks like, it's a story of a famous curmudgeon. That's really what the whole solo career has been. That wouldn't have worked as an entire run from the beginning.
1: No, I, I, I believe you're 100% right. It would not have worked. Uh, but, the, but they were together, and it did work, and it changed the course of radio. And, and, and a lot oh, it was of it, giant. Giant. So you've got to, you know, you, you, have to, you have to tip your hat. You do. I mean, yes, heel, no doubt. But you know what? But, but it was a heel that, uh, you know, was uh, crazy like a fox. And, 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 and helped between him and Russo, you know, they had the most popular probably uh, radio sports show of all time. And I say that with respect to everybody I, else's, but but I
3: think um, I think tip my hat is about as far as I would go. So I, I'll do that.
1: <laughs> okay. So, but listen, you have to recognize something when it works, and that worked for a very long time, and it worked till it didn't. Uh, so, we, so we had we, we said we, we said let babyface or heel. We still, we had one well, person. All right. About Twenty minutes here.
0: We'll do uh, Don LaGreca babyface or heel. Um, I have an answer, but I want to hear it from Peter.
3: Oh, Don's a big babyface.
0: But he works heel, right?
3: No, Don works baby. Oh. My, yeah. Michael works heel.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Mike, Michael, is a heel. Have to Michael works <laughs> heel.
3: My,
1: Michael is is a benevolent My, heel. He's a benevolent heel.
3: Well, well, Michael in real life, Michael in real life is a babyface. Totally. But in on, on the show, both Michael and I, I think we're a heel, and Don's the babyface.
0: So, 30 minutes in, should we define for everyone what a heel and babyface is? <laughs> I just, just got to say, we, <laughs> should, we should say what that is so somebody gets this thing. So, real quick, heel is a bad guy, babyface is a good guy. So, I, I'm going to have to pull the curtain back a little bit. I texted Peter yesterday and I said, Do you mind if we talk like just a couple minutes of wrestling?
3: We've been doing this forever here. Hope you don't hey, mind. I'm all, this, is, this, is, this is like every conversation I have in real life. <laughs> okay, so if that's the case, I'm going to keep what, going. What
1: What's what, your favorite? Of all the calls you get, like, you, every day, like, you get calls every day. You sit there, you know, four or five hours a day. And, you know, there's going to be some calls that are, are really good and some that are a little less good, right? And some, are, and some of your callers are, are really fun. Some of them are, are mean. They really want to get in an argument about something and they disagree. And some of it gets, sometimes it gets a little heated. Um, what I want to know what your favorite call has been so far that you've gotten on the K show. And I also want to know the, the one that you've said, like, wow, this is like, I can't wait to get this call to end because it is so... Uncomfortable and so bad. So you've gotten both, I know. So we're
0: taking this one. Yeah, this one is is so. the bad one. <laughs> he
3: is, he's um, quite I, to this.
1: I can't believe I agreed to this.
3: Yeah, after this one, the second worst call. <laughs> no, I would say you know the, the calls that get me excited are when I can tell the person's gonna attack me. You know when they start off by saying. And you know, I want to say something to Peter, and they have that tone. Right away, my juices start flowing.
1: I apologize but, oh, for we that. Here go. Yeah, I apologize for that. I shouldn't do that to you <laughs> when I call. I shouldn't say, you know, I got to say something to it's Peter. All right. You know, you should say it to Tim McCarthy. You know, it's a, you get it. But, uh, okay, so, I.E., you you started. I'm sorry, did me to interrupt you. Go. No, no, no. That no, but Wait. no example. You, you just gave me a. You gave me a very broad nut there. You got to give me a, a, a cogent example. Give me. So
3: a, I, I, I mean, I, I, a lot of people's favorite call was the time that this guy Ray from North Carolina called and attacked me for like six, seven minutes, um, and it, it was hilarious. I, it's it's up there for my all time favorites. I mean, going back and watching it, the funny part is he was so angry at me being a slob, and it really made him so upset. And the only problem is I look back now, and I don't totally disagree with him.
0: What do you think, Flip?
3: So it's hilarious, (laughs) but I also understand where he was coming from more now.
1: So my points to you over the years about wearing a college shirt, because this is famous stuff. They talk about this all the time. So what we talk about sometimes is this college shirt issue, right? And I've said, because it's our air, it's the Yes Air on Simulcast, that I want everybody to look you know, a little bit more presentable. So uh, And Peter looks presentable, but he likes his T-shirts. So But the T-shirt to me is not as presentable as a college shirt. I want a college shirt. So this became sort of a, a, a thing back and forth for us for Quite a length of time, but we've we've now settled. He wears like a shirt with one collar, so you know. No Who knows. has shirts with two collars? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's been a but while. But I time. will say, yeah,
3: I I that was a v- valuable experience for me because I resisted it for basically no reason. I mean, I I can't really remember. I mean, I think the logic for me was I was tired. The adjustment of dressing up. Like you know, I'm used to doing radio. I don't care about the TV. I don't work for yet. Um, I I guess that's what I was thinking at the time, but in retrospect, it was such a stupid hill to die on. And um, yeah, I'm regretful of that. Frankly, it was it was a learning thing. I mean, obviously, you and I were fine, so it's not really about our relationship because we turned out to have one regardless. But it was. Um, It was just about a silly thing to get, like, you know, radio guys, we have a tendency to have this rebel streak that's like, nah, I'm I'm a radio guy. I say what I want. That's what makes me good. I wear what I want. I do what I want. But I look at that Ray from North Carolina video, and I'm like, man, you really look like garbage. Now, my only point of contention is, Kevin, starting like a few months ago, I went from just, like, wearing a collar shirt to, like, I wear a jacket almost every day. And, like, I've invested in, like, a lot of new wardrobe. Didn't hear one word from Flip. Not a phone call, not an email, nothing. Come on, Flip. I
1: don't want to give him the satisfaction. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: really what I mean. people, People think I'm dressed up every day for a job interview. Well, you never know.
1: <laughs> with the business we're in. It's crazy. You never know about that.
3: That's right. Every day is
1: a job interview. Every day is a job interview. Every day, of your life is you're being interviewed by, for something by somebody, someplace. Uh, that's true. All right. So let, you do all these things that you do, and they, you know you've got a very interesting career and you've got a very interesting life. Tell me what what now you've got a lot left to do. What would be top of the list of things that you want to do beyond what you've done already? What tops the list?
3: That I would like to do professionally.
1: Yes, I'm not talking about personally. I mean, you know, professionally. <laughs>
3: um, I would like to have um a proper talk show at some point. You know, I, I did one um on on Complex, which is like you know a digital channel, and it was cool, but it wasn't a it was it was a really challenging show to pull off when you when I was already doing two radio shows. Like, it's just, that's not a way to do a a, a talk show the way I I see it. Um, But I would really like to be a talk host. I think I do a lot of those things well. Um, And I think I cross between a lot of different genres in culture that would suit me. So that's up there. But then part of me is like, is that what I really dream of? Or is that just always what I said my dream was? So... You know, it, it changes. You know, I, I, I would love to do a talk show. I would love to do some sort of um, play-by-play or color commentary for a sport. Um, but, again, not a daily, local uh, team. I wouldn't want Michael's job. Not that I would get that job, but I wouldn't want that job. I would, you know, for example, I would love to bring boxing back to radio. I'd love to get to be the radio voice of boxing. I think that would be really cool. Um, And, you know, I just want to continue to be able to interview the people that I admire and have conversations that matter. I mean, I think after a while you realize that ultimately for people like us um, who've gotten this business um, because we're passionate about stories and people, what you really want more than anything is to be relevant. And, you know, one of the scary things, you know, people, when you're in radio, a lot of people ask, when are you going to move on to television or when are you going to do something else? And a lot of people do it, and they move on, and they go do something else, and they really miss that everyday relevance. you know. And I, I know that would probably be ironic to some people who would be like, mm-hmm. really, it's 2020. You're talking about being relevant on radio? And it's like, I got news for you. Yeah, pal, that's exactly it, what I'm talking about. Because arc- when you're on the radio, when you're on free radio every day in a city like New York, you have a really relevant voice, and you can feel it when you go out that people hear what you're saying. Uh, of course, so I think at do. this point, you know, like Michael says, maybe my, maybe my dream at this point is just to keep doing what I'm doing.
1: Well, that's usually what I text him. I say, just be happy doing what you're doing. Uh, because what he's doing is, you know, he's on a large platform. And I, I tell the David Cones of the world and the Paul O'Neils of the world all the time, you know, And I say, there's a reason you get probably the biggest hand at Old Timer's Day. There's a reason for that. The reason is for the last 20 years, you've been on the air. And people see you, you know, regularity during the course of a baseball season. And because you're there and you're in their homes, you're relevant to them. I mean, I spent my whole my life growing up listening to Phil Rizzuto. I never saw Phil Rizzuto play one inning of baseball. Not one inning did I see him play. He was born. I, I, I was born in 1951. He retired about 52 or 53. So I never saw him play an inning. Yet he was a big part of my life growing up because I got to hear him as a broadcaster. It's the same with with, with Conan O'Neill. They're a generation growing up that never saw him play. So to them, th- this is their brand. Their brand is what they see on Yes michael's brand is what they see on yes and what they hear on on espn radio and your brand is hot 97 and the michael case show and the work you do for the wwe so it's quite it's quite fascinating actually when you start trying to break it all down but uh, okay we never really finished the baby face heel thing we just did one person i mean that's i mean can't we go beyond that a little bit we'll do a few more flip no oh, <laughs> he we already, did be. he already did be. yeah right, heel. Right. We, we, we regret that we that oh yeah we already yeah. know flips the heel yeah we know i'm a heel um <laughs> All right, how about uh, Tim McCarthy, who's your boss at, at, uh, at uh, 1050 Radio? Um,
3: Tim, Tim could work. Tim's a tweener, you know? Tweener. Tim could work either way. I, like um, I could see Tim being a heel, but in my life, he's been such a baby face, it's hard to say, you know? Um, he's a really friendly, affable guy. But again, when you ask me about people who are bosses, very tough for a, a, a boss of an entire place to be a full blown babyface. You just don't see that.
1: He's a he's a babyface on his way to being a heel. I could see him turning any minute, any match now he's going to turn.
0: He hasn't grown his heel beard. That's yet. a great point. I mean, he's like on his way.
1: He's on his way. I have to ask. Uh, we'll get off that babyface heel thing. Let, let's go to one more. I or two more questions. Spike Lee. I was watching this the other day, and it was fascinating to me. Because it consumes so much time as to what entrance Spike Lee goes into in Madison Square Garden. Does he go through the VIP entrance or does he go through the employee entrance? Because he's always gone through the employee entrance because it's closer to, to where he gets off the train. And, and this became a, a big thing of contention because they told him he could no longer go through the employee entrance he had to go through the vip entrance do i essentially have this story right is that essentially what the what yeah basically is? okay so and so this is a big deal because he feels he's always gone through the the uh the uh employee entrance now he has to go through the vip entrance i mean honestly does the world care about this i mean without I, uh, I i have no disrespect to spike lee he's a talented guy but what what is the big deal here what, what why is this such a, a big story well, Dolan. I mean
3: the, the the big if this was a Yankees story, it wouldn't be a big story because the Yankees haven't made nine million mistakes first, right? So this is just a big story because the the Knicks so consistently don't do anything to ingratiate themselves to their audience. So I sort of see Spike Lee as like the embodiment of their fan base. He's the most well known Knicks fan. So by, by sort of being, at the very least, kind of heavy-handed and unkind to Spike, I see it sort of as a representation of how they see their fans. And you see it played out. It plays out with them then kicking people out of the arena for chanting things they don't like. So it's just part of this narrative of Dolan being completely lost on how to ingratiate himself to a fan base that's so loyal and gets so little in return.
1: This is a heel. Big time heel.
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah, Dolan's a big heel.
1: Big heel. If you're gonna be a heel might as well be the best. Be an elite heel be an elite heel, right?
3: Yeah, that's a great point. He's a high level heel. Unfortunately, he can't win in anything, but he's yeah. a heel.
0: All right, so like Barry Horowitz. Like
1: Barry Horowitz. <laughs> and then there was the, uh, the Brooklyn something. The, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brawler. The Brooklyn Brawler, right? Yeah. There you uh, go. It's funny. All right, Peter, we've taken a lot of your time. We appreciate this very much. I, you know, In closing, we've asked every guest we've had, and we've had about 25 so far. And we've asked them, because we do a little bit of the history of yes here, because uh, we're yes, right? So where were you the first time you heard, I don't mean the first time in your life you ever heard the word yes, but the first time you heard the word yes in context to uh, the uh, you know, Yankee broadcast team? Nikki Broadcast Network.
3: Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I guess it would be when I—I I don't know. No, well, no, 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 a long time ago. What year did Yes come on the air?
1: Uh, two thousand and one. Well, it was two thousand two. Was it March of two hundred two? Okay, right. Two thousand two. We actually came on the air watch of 2000 so yeah the
3: first time I would have ever seen yes would have been flipping channels at my grandparents house in Rockaway in um, 2002 is getting toward the end of regular trips to Rockaway um, not towards the end I guess it, it was yeah I was still on, uh, towards the end but it would have been watching cable at my grandparents house and flipping on a Yankee game on yes. And I remember seeing it and being like, what is this? What is this channel? Like, I I was unfamiliar. Um, You know, maybe at the time I was aware that there was like an MSG network um, from seeing Knicks games prior to that. But that would probably be the first time. And then, you know, after that, maybe seeing some center stages with Michael, because I'm not a Yankee fan. So for me, it was probably flipping on center stage. And then, of course, I would have never guessed, you know, life is so funny. Like, you don't know what's going to become an important part of your life, you know. And now as many people recognize me probably from Yes as almost anything else. So um, it's it's pretty funny to think about how close my relationship is now with this brand. But, yeah, I I guess it would be sitting in Rockaway Beach, 122nd Street, flipping channels and seeing this uh, Yes Network.
1: I'm glad I asked you for the short answer.
2: Uh, wow!
1: Be nice. <laughs> well, I gave you. I was giving you real New York background. You were. I mean, it was. It was interesting in the sense that it was. It was interesting. But it was like I, th- I thought it was
0: Heartfelt Peter This <laughs> is coming from Flip
2: <laughs>
1: I
3: know Could you imagine Who just talks And talks <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I didn't mean to, I Imagine might, being called Long-winded by
1: Flip I, I know It's terrible You actually guys did that To me one day I'm, I'm watching this thing And you said Yeah it was like So and so and so and so and the, 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 Between the two Oh Cashman and Flip Between the two of them It was like Who has the longest Who gave the longest answers You Remember that <laughs> Yeah exactly <laughs> That was funny It was a good time All right, Peter. Thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Continued success, and uh, uh, we'll be listening and watching. Thank you. had a blast, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. We enjoyed it
3: very much. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Flip, I hope uh, our listeners enjoy WWE. Because there was a lot of wrestling talk.
1: There really was. I don't know how we went down that road, but we did. And, you know, it's different. It's it's fine. I mean, we we always talk baseball, and we can always talk other things. And we said when we established the podcast that wouldn't always be all baseball talk. It's about other things. And we haven't really done a lot of things other than baseball. So I'm glad that we got Peter, and I'm glad that we morphed into some other points of conversation about other topics.
0: I learned a lot talking to Peter, most notably um, Don is a babyface.
2: I never yeah, that's the, that.
1: like the good guys. You have the good guys and the bad guys. A yeah. baby face is a good guy, and a uh, like sort of the one who's not so good. The, the villain is the heel. They call that yeah. a heel. Yeah.
0: But on the show, yeah, with his rants and everything, yeah, yeah. I think he's a heel.
1: See, I think he's a baby face. He's defending the baby face principle, so I would consider him a babyface. Okay. But I'm, I'm surprised you call him a heel. But.
0: Well, like a heel in that Michaels, um...
1: Michael Michael Kay's a heel. I know him personally <laughs> as a heel.
0: How about we talk Yankees?
1: I was just going to finish my point on Michael. Okay. like, a heel. He's like a, i was trying to mean, save you. That's no, don't save me. I mean, I love Michael. I've been with him forever, just, but he could be a heel. Heel? Okay. He likes that. He likes playing the heel.
0: Some heels, there's like uh, like the NWO back in the day. They yeah. were heels. Yeah, they but were really heels. Loved them.
1: Yeah, but I mean, a our audience is going to get that. I mean, that, that's yeah. because you were in that business for a long time. You get that. Right. I was in the business for a little bit of time, so I get it. But if you're not in the business, you're you going to know that. Well, oh, yeah. if you're not in the business, you're not going to get
0: this far in this podcast. No, then,
1: <laughs> okay. then you should listen to the ones that were prior because they were really good. We talked a lot of baseball, we did something else.
0: Well, I think this one was good, too.
1: It's different. It's just a different kind. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. I'm enjoying it. I hope uh, People are, but I hope so.
0: I want to talk about somebody who could probably be a wrestler. Yes. Aaron Judge. Oh, my God. It's a
1: terrific judge. Terrific, right. terrific judge. Oh, I'm having such a rough day today. <laughs> He'd be a terrific wrestler, terrific judge. Him
0: uh, and John Carlos Stanton would be like the greatest tag team ever.
1: Mm, probably. Right? Probably. Come is on. that is that where
0: they're headed? I don't know. I do know, though, there's a lot of chatter surrounding the health of Aaron Judge. Um, yeah. Of course, he's experiencing some discomfort in his yeah. right shoulder, yeah. in his pec region. Um, from what I'm reading, the doctors can't really pinpoint what it is. So does that make you more nervous because you don't know what it is, or does it, is it reassuring, meaning it's not that serious? I'm a little nervous. Okay.
1: I mean, I don't have the medical records. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the room with them. I don't get not privy to that kind of information. But I will say this. If something happens again and again and again. It's chronic. And this is becoming, he's becoming chronically injured. So that's the, that's the point of concern. If I'm the Yankees, that's what concerns me. It's 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 not so much getting injured. It's the fact that it's been it's been ongoing. You know, since that since that time he got hurt right after the the home running contest. Yeah, he has not really been the same. He said well, he had glimpses, like he had a good second half because he played, but he didn't play the first half. So whenever he's gone out there, he's played well. But 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 you know, then something happens and we're back to the IL. So I mean, I, I don't know what the scenario is. I do know that the Yankees are very concerned. They should be. I'm concerned, I'm sure they're concerned, and they'll, they'll look what they can to address it. And I mean, I'm sure Aaron is a little concerned by it, although he'll never admit it, but I, I think he would be concerned
0: by he's, it. He's uh, probably concerned, you're right. Uh, he's definitely frustrated. He told the media that yes, today. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, but he also said that he remains hopeful that opening day could happen.
1: Well, we're, you know I, I like that, but hope is not a plan. <laughs> you know Remember that, hope is not a plan. So Ho- let's say
0: out. he's out. Let's play this game. Yeah. What's your outfield? Opening day. Different
1: outfield. I mean, uh, I asked Talkman if he's uh, healthy. I, I suspect he is. And left. Right. He plays left. Gardner, I, I guess, plays center. And he put Frazier in right. You know, I mean, I guess that's where you go with it. I mean, they, they're going to make a trade, though. They you have, think so? Well, they have to do something. They have to get another outfielder. You know, who else I mean, Florio is not going to probably make it because he's he's been struggling he's been hurt by injuries as well I mean Florio's a great prospect great prospect but you know hasn't been able to turn the corner on the injuries so where did he go I mean who else they got in the system that's going play the outfield I
0: mean. yeah I guess you're looking at Andujar at that point and, well, but he's never played it. I mean exactly. so that,
1: I mean so that tells you the state of the outfield. If I mean I and I love Anduhar's bat, don't get me wrong. And has got a great bat and he's been raking. I mean I've been watching him take a couple of bats the other day and I said to myself, his bat speed is as good as it's ever been. So he can hit. There's no there's no question in my mind he's gotta hit the ball. The person is can you catch it? And and you know Yeah. And, and you can't let him DH because, you know the you know that's positions you take it up by other – well, I guess you can't let him DH. Until, well, now it stands out. Yeah, now it stands out. You're right. So I guess he could DH, which wouldn't be a bad idea because then you limit his uh, his liability as an outfielder because I, I think there's more liability than there is uh, uh, adulation.
0: Right. It's just uh, I don't know what's out there to trade for, especially at this point. All yes. or, or
1: players would get released. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at Cameron Mabin. I was just going to say that. You know, you're know, you going to get those kind of players who are on the fence. Like, you know, they, they're good players, but they make, make some money. And, you know, the clubs say it's not going anywhere. And they say, oh, well, I'll go with some younger guys, give them experience. There's all kinds of scenarios in place where uh, you, just because you get released, like, oh, doesn't mean you can't play. So the, the Yankees were really good at finding those players last year because their scouting was really good. Yeah. And they recognize, you know, they like an Urshela, and they recognize a Talkman. I mean I know who recognized Tachman? Who Whoever heard of Talkman? No one. I mean I, I mean I I bar- I knew who he was, but barely. I mean I can tell you like I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. Okay? Put like that. Yeah. And look look he turned out to be a really terrific player for them.
0: I never heard of him, I never heard of Ursella, I never heard of well, Boyd I knew and yeah, and Boyd, right. Look yeah. at this, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. They have a lot of talent. A lot of talent. Uh in that scouting department tremendous uh you want to do some emails sure so last week we asked um please email us your questions curtaincallyes at gmail.com
1: yes at gmail.com
0: yes and while you're at it rate review subscribe please the first email comes from finch he asks why does why doesn't yes broadcast every yankee spring training game
1: we get better. Go to the top and ask those questions. Those are hard questions. Valid question. <laughs> valid. A, I'll give you the an answer. This is a valid answer to it. Um, we can't televise every game because we have other obligations. Our obligations as a network are for, to televise, uh, you know, actual games as opposed to, you know, preseason games. When, if there if there's a conflict. So in other words, if the Yankees and the Nets are scheduled at the same time on the same date. And the, and the Yankees playing a preseason game, where the Nets are playing a regular season game that matters, we're obligated to carry the team that has the regular season game that matters. So that's why we we that's why we sometimes you know, look at the say, Why are the Yankees carrying this? Why are we carrying that? We're not for those reasons. You know, we, we like getting the games on. The fans get excited for spring baseball, so we we're happy to bring it to them. But we, where we can, sometimes the obligations obviously come first, and there's nothing we can do about that.
0: Even if there weren't obligations, I I like the number. I think we have 11 this year. Mm -hmm. I don't want all, what is there, 30? I get viewer fatigue. It makes opening day less special. I don't want to see every... Well,
1: there's a case to be made. I mean, you could certainly make that case. and you, it's, like, it's like any case. You could prosecute it, you could defend it. If you want to uh, prosecute it, that's the prosecution. If you want to defend it, you could take the other side saying I can't get enough of it because it's getting me ready for the season and I'm excited. You know, And I could see Cole pitch. Like, is this one pitch where before I couldn't see him pitch two or three times? Now I could see him time, every time he goes out there, I could see him pitch Whatever. I mean, there's there's many ways to do this, many ways to cut this. But at the end of the day, to, to answer the question, it's really about our obligation that, that we have to work around that obligation.
0: It's like if you had turkey every day for right. a month leading up to Thanksgiving right. and then got excited for Thanksgiving. You, you can't get excited for Thanksgiving at that point.
1: Um, let me ask you a question. <laughs> what, we kind we of st- what kind of stuffing do you have at Thanksgiving?
0: Well, we usually have all different kinds, like... Uh, some with bacon, then a cornbread one. And no, then.
1: but is it is it the, like the stovetop stuff? Or no, stuff? Yeah, stop. No. So, you know, you, oh, don't, don't, I like stovetop. <laughs> don't don't get a suit here, all right? I like stovetop. <laughs> I mean, they do a nice job. Um, okay, so I'm just curious. So, some people like that, like stovetop as opposed to the, um, the, the stuff with all the the stuff that's inside the turkey thing. I mean, it's yeah. not much for me. No? Well, you know what's inside there. It's tough. It's, <laughs> t- it's tough to get around it. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I
0: get a little. Don't think about that. Cormac asks, yeah. Flip, you always ask guests what moment from history they wish they could have been a part of. But what about you? Which historic event would you most like to have produced or just been there for?
1: Well, because it's historic and you could look back as opposed to being in it at the time that it happens, it lends a different perspective to it. I, but I would say maybe Maris's 61st home run. Uh, was, was cause I love Roger Maris, who's my favorite player. So that would have been special in, in, in the prism, through the prism of history. Um, the 1960 World Series, I mean, the Yankees were so dominant against the Pirates and yet lost the series. It was such an incredible series where the Yankees, won the games that they won, they won games like 10-0, 11-2. And the, when the Pirates would win, they would win 5-4, 3-2. So the run disparity was really great. It was a crazy series. Bobby Richardson was the MVP. Was the only, I think it's the only time a, a player from the losing team won an MVP. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have been on anything Babe Ruth I played in. That would have interested me just to be on the field with Babe Ruth and to just look out there and see him play right field. Even and, off the field. Yeah, well, yeah. he's more legendary I think, yeah. off the field than on. But, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose. But I, I would say that uh, to see Ruth play would have been special under any circumstance. A lot of great Yankees. You could go forever here. But I, I think that because I did see a lot of great Yankees. I've seen every great Yankee after DiMaggio. So... Mm-hmm. Not Dimaggio, but after Dimaggio. So every every great Yankee who was post Dimaggio, I've seen. That's a lot of their history. I mean, you got remember, I'm, I'm I'm in my late 60s now, so I've seen a lot of this. Yeah. And uh, and I've been fortunate. I mean, that's been one of the great parts of my life to, to see a team that uh, that meant a lot to me, to see their players, and to be part of their history. And We're part of their history in some way, shape, or form, and that that's exciting for me, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, that we're part you should of it.
0: be. Um, while you're talking, I'm thinking, and this isn't part of Cormac's question. I love that question. If you could have dinner with three people, yeah. alive or dead, who would yeah. it be? Yeah, because uh, you've seen so much history. Who would yeah. it be for you? Hate to put you on the spot. Um, well, a
1: couple of these people wouldn't get along. Like, for instance, if I had Abe Lincoln and Robert E. Lee. Yeah. At the same dinner, I don't huh. know that they get along all that well. No, probably well, not. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they have some differences for sure, right? But I mean, Abraham Lincoln was certainly. I went to Abraham Lincoln High School in Brooklyn, and not because I went to Abraham you went Lincoln with
0: High School with Abraham Lincoln.
1: I did, actually. He was. A, I used to call him, he was a, you know, he was very honest. He called him Honest <laughs> Dave. He was, a, he was a fascinating guy. I really liked him. I mean, uh, you know, I kept telling him, you shouldn't go to, don't go to see, you know, plays on Friday night. It's not, not, it's not a good thing. <laughs> too soon. April, Lincoln, it's too soon? <laughs> it's 1865, you're gonna tell me. That's a great book, by the way. so you want to hear a great book? Want a great book? Yeah. April, 1865. It's... Uh, it chronicles the, the that month in American history. If you like history, you'll lo- you'll love this book. It talks about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. It talks about uh, uh, you know Johnson taking over as, as president and you know and Stanton and, and the cabinet and the contentious how they treated the South because Lincoln would have been generous and the, and the cabinet was not. They treated them like a captured nation, and so that just took uh, what might have been healing the wounds. It took it further, and there's um, so many things happened in, in that month. It's a great piece of history and it's a great read april 1865 so I, to answer your question lincoln certainly interests me uh i am robert e lee was fascinating to me because civil war interests me greatly i'm a I'm civil war sort of i would say fan i'm gonna be a fan of war but i'm a civil war uh, student i enjoy the civil war and um who else would i want to have dinner if I anybody else roger maris Okay. Since he was my, my hero growing up as my baseball hero was Roger Maris. Although I actually I actually I can't say I knew Jackie Robinson, but I sat on Jackie Robinson's knee. Come on. When my dad had a bar across the street from Evans Field. So when I was growing up, the Dodgers used to come to my dad's bar. So you'd get like uh, like uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, you know, Carl Farrillo, Roy Campanella, you know, Preacher Rowe, you know, George Shuba, Charlie Neal, all these guys would come to Galaches would come at my dad's bar and so uh, they were what they would do is network in you know, those. Joe Black they would network in, in those days Don Newcomb they would look for you know work and they would mingle with the fans because that's how that was, they got off season work Believe it or not, that yeah, it's a different either. era, a different yeah. time, you know. So, uh, so they would all come on my dad's bar, and they would socialize, and and, uh, and I remember, I, I've got some pictures home somewhere with me, and some of them. And I remember going to school, and I'm talking about Uncle Charlie, and <laughs> it "Was Uncle Charlie curveball?" Or you know, those yeah. curveballs. I'm making those kind of references, and uh, I remember my parents said, "What do you do at school?" I was talking about baseball. So what you talk about it. Teachers say you don't pay attention to anything but baseball. Well, duh, here I am. So
0: yeah, I think it worked out.
1: Well, but it just shows you, like, if you love something, it's in your bloodstream, it's your passion, find a purpose for that passion. That's what it tells you. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate to find a purpose for, for my passion.
0: So since you asked, my three would be oh, M- Mickey Mantle. Wow, what a,
1: dumb, <laughs> wow. Boy, did you just submarine me right there? <laughs> I was going to I was gonna ask, what's his name over there? AJ. What's his name over there? The All right, let's go to AJ. AJ. Yes. AJ, our producer. If you could have dinner with three people outside of Kevin and I, Okay, because (laughs) I know that's high on your list there. If you had a dinner with three people, Mm -hmm. uh, who would those three people be?
0: Da Vinci, Einstein, and Jimi Hendrix. Wow, that's a good list. Those are my three.
1: So Jimi Hendrix would entertain Da Vinci, and who's the other one?
3: Einstein, Albert Einstein.
0: Nah,
1: he's too smart for me. I couldn't deal with it. I'm (laughs) trying to, you know, learn
3: the secrets of the universe from these guys, so. Yeah,
1: you think you'd learn anything from them?
0: I'd like to think so.
1: Who who did the Sistine Chapel? Was that the the, the Da Vinci? I believe, believe, wasn't it?
0: I thing. think it, Did it the was 15. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh god. Tremendous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They killed me. Uh, okay. Oh, these poor listeners. Yes. Yeah, so Does anyone care who I would have dinner with? No, but you? Just get over it. Keep telling us who moving. Keep going. So I got it down to four, but I'm yeah. going to give you three. Mickey. This is what I think. Mickey he- Mantle, Babe Ruth, and what? Billy Martin. Imagine the fun we would have.
1: You know, the fights you would have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the fights. You'd have that three.
0: Oh, that would be very, very interesting. You could call us to bail you guys out of jail, too, and the night was over. Yeah, right? Wow.
1: wow. I did not know. I, I did not know Ruth, obviously. I didn't know Ruth. I knew Billy yep. pretty well, and uh, I knew Mickey. Yep. And I would say uh, that would be a very interesting dinner. I will leave it at that. Are you going to go out afterwards?
0: I think the whole thing is out afterwards. I well, think, then, I think it starts...
1: Then you got the right three. You yeah. got the right three. Yeah. You got the right three.
0: All right. One more email, please. Uh, Vince K. asks, if you weren't in television, Flip. He he didn't say flip. but I just assume it's to you, not me. If you weren't in television, what would you be doing?
1: Uh, repairing sports cars.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. That's what I would like to do. Or play the guitar.
0: Well, you do do that.
1: Yeah, but I don't do it well. No, oh. By the way, I don't repair sports cards well either. <laughs> but if you're asking what I would have liked to have done, I would have, I would have liked to have been a musician. Okay. My uncle was a very famous jazz musician. His name was Flip Phillips.
0: You could look him oh, up. Oh, yeah. Up. I saw I'm, him on Wikipedia. Yeah,
1: you look up Flip Phillips. Look him up. I won't spend
0: time on him, but uh,
1: interesting guy. Very interesting life.
0: So since you asked, I would be a... Um... Well, you did it again. I'm
1: just taking a breath here. So, like, <laughs>
0: Wow. My goal was a yeah. high school English teacher and high school baseball coach.
1: A, sub, a substitute or a regular?
0: <laughs> no, the real one.
1: I see you'd be a great substitute. <laughs> I, we would kill you. <laughs> the jokes we used to play on the substitute teachers were just awful. Okay.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's what the emails, but I do have one question for you. Yeah. Uh, A-Rod made news this past week yeah. about his comments about the Astros. Yeah, I did. Um, a lot of it was about how he believes they're not showing any remorse. How do you th- think he answered that question Uh, how truthful give me your take
1: well I mean I've actually heard I mean I heard him on the case show and I I I later heard him on the replay of the uh, ESPN thing so I got a clip of it so I heard him talk about uh, when he stood on the ESPN game and I I applaud him because look he couldn't be critical of anybody look he he had his own issues and he couldn't be critical of anyone unless he owned up to those issues again and he did he owned up to them again and said look I made my mistakes. Uh, you know, I, I fell too. But it isn't just falling. Everybody falls. How you get up matters too. And A-Rod has actually gotten up in a very strong way. And he's admitted his mistakes. He paid for his. He paid. He did his time in, in, uh, in suspensions and fines and lo- lost pay and... You know he and, and what he had to pay lawyers and I mean millions and millions of dollars and
0: tens of millions you
1: know, tens of millions of dollars so you know, and also and also have standing you know professionally in 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 the world of baseball but also in in the world of society, so he paid for his transgressions he really did so once because he paid for his transgressions and he and he owned up to them i i i think he has a right to be critical of an organization that really hasn't owned up to this the way they should have. And the players, I've heard the players say they're sorry. I've heard the team really say they're sorry. i they heard them say, well, we really didn't cheat. We, were, you know, we took advantage of the situation. Uh, excuse me? That's like cheating. Right? I'm sorry. So, I mean, he called it out. And he had, because, he, because he had paid his dues, because he had paid the price for what he did, Alex, he had a right to say that. If he had not done that, that's a different story. But because he did do that, I give him a lot of credit for that.
0: Well, I don't think there's anybody more qualified to give their opinion than A-Rod based on all the things you just said and now you see some people on social media calling him a hypocrite no you have it wrong he's not a hypocrite. He's, not hypocrite he's the most qualified person to give this answer
1: he is because because of what he did and what he had been through he's the most qualified person to give that answer again having again you have to own up and he did He to his credit he was accountable and he held up he, he owned up to what happened if he had denied this then he has no he has no place making a comment at all about it because then he's then he's hypocritical yeah. But he wasn't hypocritical here. He took a very strong stand, actually.
0: He did, and as you mentioned, he lost thirty-five million dollars in salary, probably more in lawyers' fees and whatnot, even more in endorsements. Let's call it fifteen or fifty million, maybe. Well, the Astros th- players yeah. didn't lose a dime.
1: No, but but they've lost something more, more valuable than money. You know, they they've right now they've lost their honor, and I think that's the thing that they've got to that's got to get figured out. I mean, I still believe, and I've said this from the beginning. I have not vacillated, even when it wasn't a popular opinion. It's now starting to get some traction. You take the title away. You have to take it if it's right. If what if what what the baseball has is absolutely right, no, it has to be ironclad. But if they're, and I believe it is now, uh, you take it away. You have to take it away for the sake of history. You can't not take teams and take their place of honor whatever. I've said this before. Whether it was the, you know, the the Royals in 15 or the Cubs in 16 and the you know, uh, the Nationals last year in 19. Uh, you can't strip that. You can't put these teams, them, and probably with the Red Sox are going to be in this thing. I'm telling you, they are some way, shape, or form. And that's coming any day. And I don't, I don't know the level of severity, but I suspect it's not going to be good because uh, of the Joey Cora situation, right? So if Alex, yeah. I'm sorry. Joe, it's his brother. I'm sorry. I'm What's here. taking so yeah, long? I meant Alex. I'm sorry. With the uh, Red Sox. I don't know. I guess maybe they've had new information, or they want to make sure that what they have is, is is absolutely right. I mean, if that's the case, then you have to applaud Commissioner because he's trying to get this. He has to get this right. There can be no room for for error. This, they have to get this right. And if in fact all that that's been whispered turns out to be true. Then, the, then the, the Red Sox are, you know, they're guilty and they're going to get, they should get the book thrown out the, the same way Houston needs to have it. Because you can't let it happen again. You can't let this happen. You can't.
0: Let me ask you this Is it too late to continue to punish Astros? Is it too late to say, hey, we thought about it some more? We've investigated with the Red Sox. We are taking the title away.
1: The commissioner is the guardian of the game, as I've said before. He could do anything he wants. If he says, you know what, folks? It also works. But what do you think the other 29 owners want, just out of curiosity? You think they're going to sit there and go like, well, 28 owners maybe, maybe not between, maybe 28, mm-hmm. who sit there and go like, you know what? No, we think what they did was fine. We have no issue with that whatsoever. It's fine. No, it's not fine. And I think those teams will have their say to the commission. commissioner. works for the teams. So that's part of this. But the other part of it is for the sake of history. And, and I, I know Rob Manfred. I mean, I can't say go hang out with him, but, but, but I know him, and he's a good guy, and he's a good man, and he knows his baseball, and he knows his history. So I would say that you know, he's, got to, he's got to make a stand. He's got to take a tougher stand. I think what he did was fine. I just don't think it was enough. And I think as more and more of this comes out, then I think he has to go back and say, you know what, this is my – I declared then that this is what I was going to do. But guess what? So much more has come out. I'm changing my ruling. He's, he can do anything he wants. He's the commissioner of baseball. That's why he's in that job. Will he? depending on what comes out now if more information comes out now and the Red Sox are implicated at, to a high degree and then Houston gets implicated to even higher degree than they are like remember the buzzer stuff they said no, that they, they disqualified that that's what they said if yeah. they, they haven't they're not using that that's not I mean the court of public opinion is just is just out of out of control nuts over, over, uh, you know, what happened with the Astros and they and they're having their say, and the players are having their say. Well, I mean, it was like four spring training games. Seven Astros have been hit in four games, which tells you that you know the players are not happy. They're they're taking it out there, and they've been very outspoken too. Once the players got outspoken, this t- to me took another level, and that's what I think happened.
0: Yeah, because you don't see players talk about players. It's There's a, br- a fraternity. It's a
1: brotherhood. Yes, I agree. It really is, and I you don't see that, but I think you've seen. I think this is it's it's very evident here.
0: The court of public opinion you mentioned um, is coming down on Manfred quite a bit, especially when he stood up there and said he was protecting Nashville's players. Don't throw at him. Don't throw at him. There'll be consequences. Now we're seeing people throw at him. Are there going to be consequences?
1: It depends. I mean, it, you know, there's throwing at somebody and there's throwing at somebody. You get somebody in the back of the numbers, and that's that. That's considered. You know, I said I sent my message. You get the idea. But, yeah, and then maybe it'll hurt for a little bit, but it's not going to. You start throwing upstairs, you know, you you, you kill somebody. Yeah, okay? you can't do that. No, you can't, but I mean, because you know what? Because you can't control it. Yeah. I mean, even guys with pinpoint control get nervous. They'd be nervous pitching that. There are guys who headhunt. There's famously head hunt Some, of the, some yeah. of the bigger names in the game, history of the game, have headhunted.
0: It happens. Is it Armando Benitez? Is that
1: who? So he's one of the bigger names in the history of the game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, there was. He's war. the one
0: who hit Tino, right?
1: Yes. But he attended, I think he's
0: back. Yeah, right between a little higher yeah. than the number. the
1: forty-four, right higher than the forty-four. But it what well, it hurt? It, it changes career. Yeah. Changed his career. I mean, you can get hit anywhere, and it could change, alter your career. I mean, it's, you know, it's playing with someone's livelihood. You don't do that. But but for them to do that, not only suggests it screams to me. They're saying we we can't be more unhappy with you, and this is our way of showing. What else can they do? Yeah. Now you know. And then the first time it happened, then take the. You could also go back and pre. And I'm probably gonna go out there and say, look, if you have anybody at all, I'm throwing you out. Yeah. he said that right before the game starts which takes the inside pitch away from somebody
0: which Awful. alters the game, the game. And that, see
1: that's wrong you can't yeah. do that but I mean you could tell what somebody's got inside when somebody's hit somebody I mean honestly seriously
0: yeah given the game situation exactly yeah. I
1: mean, if I'm going to hit you I'm not going to hit you with a you know, a 3-2 changeup. You know? I mean, I'm not going in the 8th inning, of, the a eighth inning game. Of, a, of a tie game when the base is right. loaded or whatever I'm not going to do that you know, you can tell obviously you didn't mean to hit somebody yeah. depends well, on the situation
0: it'll be a fun few weeks I think we're going to learn something soon we have to we have a season. Uh, they've got
1: out. to get it out of the way before the season starts. I, I, I've said it was going to be any minute like three weeks ago, and it hasn't yet you know, come to fruition.
0: Maybe your clock's not working.
1: <laughs> My clock.
0: <laughs> you said any minute.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yes. We have to land a plane?
0: Yeah, let's land this plane. The what words of
1: Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land a plane. Time for the music. Hit the music. For, for da, da, Mr.
0: John da, J. Filippelli, da, 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 I am da, da, Kevin da, 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 Sullivan da, da. saying we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time. Thank you.